0: everybody and welcome to episode 51 of the State of Play podcast. I'm your host Martino Puccio. This week Pep Barisha had a, a lot of technical issues. Um, I think his computer's destroyed. It got hacked uh, by a bunch of Chelsea fans after Arsenal won the FA Cup. So um, he won't be here this week. Hopefully next week he will be back. But this week it's just going to be myself and Matt Santangelo. Matt, what's going on?
1: Not much Martino. It's good to be back on for another episode. Of course, episode 50 was a special one. If you guys haven't checked that out, we had ESPN Serie A analyst and commentator Matteo Bonetti. Really good interview with him and myself. Uh, Talked about a lot of topics, including Juventus, AC Milan, Atalanta Sassuolo, some of the uh, best U23 performers in Serie A this year. So make sure you guys go check that out. And um, yeah, as as far as everything else goes, it's um, kind of strange to see the season end. We were getting games like every Day every other, every two days pretty much but a quick little tur- a quick little turnaround to the Champions League and Europa League games and then before you know it come September I think nineteenth or mid September most of the league come back so um, we have a little mini we have ourselves a mini vacation if you will but yeah it's it's, it's good good to be back on with you.
0: Yeah, um, we have a few days break, really, um, from the recording of this uh, podcast. Um, The English uh, championship uh, is tomorrow, so Fulham versus Brentford. We'll see what happens there. Um, Best of luck to those teams to see who gets promoted back to the Premier League. Um, But, yeah, Champions League is this weekend, um, Friday and Saturday games. We'll get into that a little bit later on as well as some transfer news. But first, we got to start off with, um, I guess, really just the whole fact that ever since uh, the podcast has come back during the pandemic, we've done a great job of churning out a bunch of episodes. And on top of that, the clubs that we root for, Arsenal and Milan, have been fantastic. Arsenal had a little bit of a rougher start with the return, but they are now FA Cup champions for record 14th time. Matt, they own this competition. Um, they've beaten Chelsea a few times now in this final. You saw Christian Pulisic get the goal, goes out with a hamstring injury. So hopefully that's not long-term and he could return for the Seb- September 12th relaunch of the Premier League for next season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, Arsenal again, a Aubameyang, he's just been stepping up. He's just been... Fantastic! It, it, there's so much more organization. There's a real identity to Arsenal now after uh, being on uh, their third manager of the season with Mikel Arteta. Um, there was a few question marks about him. He was getting a little too much criticism. Pet was always a big backer of him. I think I think we were with Pet that people were being a little too impatient and unfair to him. And look what happened. He won a trophy immediately. And you know what? Kudos to them. Kudos to Arsenal. They don't have the talent that some of these other clubs do, but they were one of the main underdogs left out of that semifinal, Manchester United, Manchester City, and Chelsea, all playing better arguably um, throughout the restart. And Arsenal comes in, they win two to one. Pet's very happy. He went live on the Periscope uh, on the State of Play Twitter account. If you didn't see that, you can go watch that. Um, But yeah, another great performance for them. They win that, and that's something to build off of uh, heading into the next Premier League season
1: absolutely you know there was a lot of good performances to cap off their their campaign and you know you know we could obviously highlight you know the the main guys you know like obama yang and um you know even granite shaka has had a really a really good revival for the club I know there we weren't too far from removed from him you know if you recall having that um that little like walking off the field and he was like getting booed and he was kind of like antagonizing, like kind of egging on the fans to kind of say like, okay, yeah, keep booing me, keep booing me. And he's had a great turnaround. I think Granite Xhaka has been uh, one of the, one of the key men in that midfield, even you know even in this performance, just specifically talking about the FA cup, I thought Maitland Niles was, was strong. I thought, you know, individually they had um, a lot of players, you know, rise to the occasion, but as a team, Miguel Arteta has the fans believing that they're heading in the right direction. You know, And I think you're going to probably ask Pet the same question. It's Unfortunately, we can't have him on for this episode to get that kind of initial reaction. But yeah, a really strong performance to cap off the season. That are of course, going to be in the group stages of the Europa League. So overall, you got to like where Arsenal's headed. Of course, it's not where the, the ultimate destination is, that being the Champions League. It's the same thing for Milan. But at the same time, it's, it's a process. And you know, kind of start to see things take shape um, at the Emirates, and you have to be pleased with that.
0: Yeah, um, definitely a positive uh, for the club from London. I mean, yeah, look, they get into the Europa League uh, group group stage, by the way, which is also a huge bonus to them uh, getting back for some European football. So, I mean, it's just it's just great. You um, even saw Bumiang, uh tweet out today. I don't know if you saw it, but he had a a little notepad with a, with a pencil signing on it so who knows what that might mean for his future it would be great i mean there's no there's absolutely no reason for him to leave at this point like he's too valuable and he's his goal scoring output is too fantastic you physically don't really see him slowing down at the moment so that's also a plus um listen if they get some improvement from Nicolas Pepe you know his second season in the premier league it's huge. It's It really is. And, and you know what? Like they make some smart, savvy moves in terms of the defense because they have to get stuff like that sorted out. If they could figure out something with Ozil over there, um, things could start looking up very soon for Arsenal. So um, yeah. I mean, uh, any other thoughts on the FA Cup before we move on? No, I
1: think it's, it's a good little um, way to cap off their season. I think, you know, there's the rumors about who they're, potentially targeting is starting to kind of materialize and come to the forefront. You know, I we'll know Willian is another one that's on the, on the, on the, on the radar for them. You know, if you can get him on a free transfer, I think a player taking, taking him from out from, uh, from underneath Chelsea would be, in my opinion, a pretty good coup because I do think he has uh, a little bit to offer, but yeah, overall, I think, you know, between these two teams, I think you're going to see some different names come next year for sure. Um, even on Chelsea side, you know, but the focus being Arsenal here as the, as the victors, You've gotta pre- got to be pretty pleased if you're an Arsenal fan at this moment in time. So we'll have to wait and see what the next steps are for them. As you mentioned, some savvy moves are needed. They are essential. And I don't, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if they do make a splash. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, break the bank, you know, but with some of the, um, the, the, the rumors being for like Sancho going to United, which we'll talk about soon. I don't think they're going to make someone that big because they did invest quite a bit in Pepe. But you never know. Macazette his future's kind of up in the air. Lucas Torreira is another one. So, you know, this could, this FA Cup victory could be kind of the, the last we see of this sort of group of players. And you could see a shakeup, which I think Arteta going into his first summer definitely does deserve given the job he did.
0: Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guys won a trophy and he didn't even get a transfer market to really work with yet. So, um, let's see what happens there. But you mentioned Manchester United. We'll get to Jaden Sancho a little bit after that, but there's been news that we know is true and confirmed at this point. So Alexis Sanchez will be heading back to Inter. Um, there's no fee going towards Manchester United. Alexis really was just a flop, a shadow of himself, really just non-existent at that club. It really told you about the whole situation there. It was down it was a Manchester Derby for him coming from Arsenal and he just wasn't the same player. Um, he didn't play great for them whatsoever. And now they get him off their books. Maybe they would have liked um, to have gotten a fee for him. But at the end of the day, this is he was fantastic during the reboot. I think only Leo Messi had more assists than him during the COVID-19 stretch uh, in the summer when games started back up in Europe. That tells you all you need to know about his performance there. Um, he looked revitalized under Conte um and you know what it's just another good move by Inter his wages are pretty high but at the end of the day um that's something you're gonna have to deal with and the fact that they dodged the fee makes it a little bit easier to swallow the wages that he had and especially if he's playing as well as he did um during the COVID break.
1: It's such as it's you know it's interesting right because I think he had such a great um, you rise at, at Udinese that earned him the move to Barcelona. And then he went to Arsenal and he had such a great handful of years before he kind of tapered off and then left on a free deal in that in that you know January window to to Manchester United. And you mentioned you know he wasn't the same player. Looked that he was on the decline. He was eating up a ton of wages in many ways. Um, you know something that we're seeing kind of kind of with with Ozil at, at Arsenal, right? A Player that's you had some good years. He's just getting paid a ton of money you kind of wonder whether or not Manchester United were going to find a suitor for him. They were going to find a way to move his wages, just kind of shed that for, I think it was 400 K uh, per, per week, which is ridiculous. If you really think about it. I mean, I know Premier League player, teams, excuse me, can afford those more than other clubs, but that's a lot. to a time to a player who to his, you know, to your point, you know, didn't really produce much of anything at Manchester United. So I think this is a good, definitely a good move for Inter. Um, You know, you mentioned the lack of a fee. I think United will probably be a little bit disappointed in that, but when you shed those wages, um, you know, and I'm sure that they're going to try and maybe do the same with Smalling and you're trying to make room for some next level purchases, you know, Sancho, um, you know, some of the other players that they are targeting, targeting, excuse me, and they're trying to anticipate, embrace themselves and prepare themselves for the champions league return. I think it's something that just makes sense, you know, for all parties involved And look, Inter getting a player that, you know, you, as you mentioned, Martino, since the restart was, you know, among the more influential players in Inter's team, you know, obviously they had a little bit of a decline in the second half of the season, as opposed to what they were able to accomplish in the first, but they still only finished one point off in Juventus, and Sanchez played a role in that, so, uh, you know, look, at, at 30, I think Sanchez has still a little bit left in the tank for sure, you know, he's still proven that he can be effective, Inter are going to need that depth in the Champions League for sure. And I, I think it's just, it's a solid match for all parties involved. And, you know, at the end of the day, I th- I think this is a win-win for everyone. And ultimately, when it comes to the mark, when it comes to balancing balance in the books, when it comes to you know, kind of looking at the bigger picture here, all parties are involved and you just move on with it.
0: Yeah, um, and at the end of the day, players last a lot longer in Serie A than than they do in a lot of other places, and that could be highlighted by Ibrahimovic this season. You could even go back to Di Natale at the end of the day. So um, he's not going to be taking on uh, heavy minutes as well on Inter. So, I mean, it's a great great deal for all involved, um, and especially if Sanchez can keep up that play that he had um, in recent weeks. Chris Smalling is not going to be at Roma, Matt, and this is kind of a massive blow for them. He was playing really well for them. Um, I think this isn't the end of the world for Manchester United that he is returning because he's, he's not that old. He showed he could play, again, at, at a different club at a relatively high level for the most part of the season. And I understand Roma's financial situation is not the greatest, and that factors in heavily to why he won't be mm-hmm. returning there because I think the fee right. was rumored over 20 million euros at least. This... Um, this is more devastating for Roma. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this is a short turnaround into the next season. Defense was one of their glaring issues. And the fact that he stepped up when no one really thought he would at the end of the day, um, it was huge for them. And it played a key part into them getting into fifth place because if Chris Smalling is not there. There is no chance in hell this Roma team had a chance at a European spot. So one, where did Roma turn to now? And two, does he stay at Manchester United, or does he get sold off to another club in the Premier League? Or uh, I would assume there's some sort of sale looming, um, considering they have their eyes set on Jaden Sancho.
1: Roma situations—it's always a fascinating one, right? I think you know there's some parallels to draw between you know Roma situation, Milan situation, and and, and many other clubs, right? You know they're always a kind of like okay, are they going to have to sell a player? Are they going to have to, you know, keep a close eye on this? You know, can they go out there and spend and kind of make that next step, right? You know, Salah, Alisson, Becker, they sold for big fees. Um, And Smong, you you would assume that they would have enough in the budget to accommodate a player who was one of their best players of the season, in my opinion. Even if his first half was much better than his second half, I think Smong stepped up. He was a leader in the back. Um, You know, he was a really reliable player, reliable defender, for Paulo Fonseca in year one. And you'd think for a player who performed the way he did, that they can accommodate, you know, uh, whatever the feat was going to be 17, 18 million um, or, or even 20 million. I think at that point, you know, it's still a pretty solid deal, but, you know, you, you look at it and you're thinking, ah, you know, with the whole, whole situation of of a possible takeover from Friedkin, as you mentioned, and you alluded to, and we've been kind of monitoring this. I know John Solano of AS Roma Press does a really good job with his Roma content and Roma coverage. He's been covering this extensively. It seems like that's going to be happening in my opinion. I just see all the signs pointing towards that, but you you wonder and you have to be a little bit more um, cautionary with how you analyze Roma going forward, right? Because Are they a team that is going to try and keep up with the pack? Are they a team that's going to really go for it, spend and get the quality players they need to, to be a top four contender next year? Who really knows? Are they going to be a team that regresses? You know, at times this year they overcame a lot of injuries and smalling was that kind of that guiding light, that guiding presence at the back that really helped get them through some difficult stretches. So I don't know where they go from here. I think it's very early, I think the focus probably is now going to be is what is going to happen with the state of the club itself. And look, you'd hope that they can retain some of the players they have in the squad, not, not just focusing on smalling and keeping him for a moment, but, you know, Zaniolo, um, you know, Chinese under, some of these players that are very desirable, very in demand. You wonder if it's going to be one of those summers again, where Roma fans are going to have to say, we're going to lose another main guy, aren't we? And, it's only time will tell with that. But I think the, the biggest hope for most Castro fans involved and just people who have a vested interest in what's going on at Roma hope that they can get an owner who can pump the money in there, get them to be a team that is much more competitive and it can be a team that leans more in the direction of where they were a couple of years ago as a semifinalist. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what with, uh, with transpires within the summer.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of question marks uh, with Roma, but I'm sure we'll get into that in the in the coming weeks, and we'll see what happens there. Especially up top, um, they need someone else besides Dzeko. I mean, that's uh, can't be relying on that guy for too long, even though Zaniolo looked great as well. But another top youngster in the world of football and the number one player that will be moving in this summer transfer market, in my opinion, is James Sancho. Fabrizio Romano came out and said that. There is no issues with the personal terms between the club and the player of Manchester United and Jadon Sancho. We've kind of believed and thought that for a while now, but the main thing has been the fee between the two clubs, how they will establish it, what the number will truly be, will there be players involved, what will the installments be. The rumor is 120 million euros. Um, I think it's a totally fair number, uh, justified for what um, – they want in Dortmund and and you know I mean Jaden Sancho could have had a 2020 season for being honest like he had he could have done that that it wasn't it wasn't anything out of the realm of possibility and, and keep in mind that would have been with a max of 34 games by the way that they uh, that they play in the Bundesliga this is a move for Manchester United that I'm not quite sure it catapults them into title contenders yet, but damn does it definitely lock them in for a top four position, in my opinion, because what we saw from them after the break, getting all those guys in there healthy, everyone producing at a high level for the most part, you get Jadon Sancho in there, Matt, this completely changes the whole landscape of the Premier League for a little while, and it really bolsters Manchester United's you know future in general I mean like it's this is potentially where we've officially could see Manchester United getting back to their old ways
1: absolutely you know it's 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 a move that if if it's completed does put the rest of the Premier League top four um, or top five top six shall I say because I think you have to still consider Leicester City is a really formidable side I know they had a fall off in the second half but you know the rest of the pack that are in that contention for top four um that puts them on alert right you know we look at the, the, the names that manchester united already have in attack rashford martial greenwood you know the full season of greenwood yikes yeah, so I'm, I'm really curious to see where how how he gets on for a full slate of games bruno fernandez paul pogba in the field fred matic who who else they maybe add we'll have to wait and see what happens there but if they're able to get sancho i mean they're a team that they got to be feared, right? You look at Sancho and his production in the Bundesliga for the past two seasons, it's off the charts. It's, it's quite clear that he's one of the best young talents in world football. And if Manchester United can make this happen, which I think they're, in, they're going pretty much battling themselves, it's just a matter of them agreeing to the fee, which, which I think at this point in time, whether it's the full boat up front, whether it's in, in installments, which I think is something that will probably um, come into play here, uh, according to what I've read and what, what everyone else is reading it would be a slam-bang operation. And I think that's, you know, to your point, maybe it doesn't put them ahead of a Liverpool, maybe put them ahead of a City, but it really starts to put them into that conversation as being a team that, if things go right over a season, right? Because we all know a lot of things have to go right. You know, if Liverpool gets an injury to a key player or a City doesn't have the same uh, transfer window that they need or they have fall off and they kind of, you know, take a step back, maybe United over a full season, can be a team that really presses on for a title and look we, we all know this is what United fans have been hoping for for years um seeing City dominate the league seeing Liverpool finally get that Premier League title Manchester United have had a stronghold on the Premier League for a lot for many many years in the past you know two decades they want to reclaim that that sort of status and a guy like Sancho entering the fray would be a a, a massive move for on all on all levels but it would really move the needle and then being a legitimate contender for, for a title, at least not for not next year, but maybe for the year after.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think that's just basically where it catapults them. and especially if their youngsters progress the way they do. I do think they will stick with Martial as that nine. Um, I think he's earned it. I don't see him really getting pushed out that way. Um I saw there was a rumor for Raúl Jiménez. I don't, I don't love it at this point in time, simply because it, there's just too many moving pieces, and I, I think that could be a scenario where there's uh, too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, so I, I don't see that happening. But yeah, um, Manchester United in general, if they could get Harry Maguire to play up to that billing of an 80 million pound uh, center back, I mean, look out, this is serious. And they and they get Dean Henderson in there. This is there's something there for Manchester United, so we'll keep an eye out on that. But we have to move on to one more transfer market rumor. Fabrizio Romano again. Um, this player has been linked to Milan in the past and is Serge Aurier of Spurs. The fee that Spurs is, is wanting is around 20 million pounds. What Milan kind of wants to get him at is anywhere between 12 to 15 million. Um, So they're obviously going to have to compromise and figure things out here. Um, Aurier, obviously, like many Premier League players who play on the bigger clubs, have their critics. Um, He's not the greatest player in the world. Pet is not a big fan of his. Um, Highlighted that if you saw a conversation on Twitter between myself and him. Um, For Milan, I think this is a clear upgrade. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And I know some people were a little confused by what I was saying on Twitter was because I I feel like the club should aim higher for better players and better talents. But then again, at the end of the day, considering the financial situation, it's kind of hard to aim for that. And especially if Barcelona is asking for 30 million euros for an Emerson, it's kind of difficult to pull that off, but no doubt in my mind, he's better than Conte He's better than Calabria. He would fit into this team. He had eight assists in all competitions this season, two goals, Listen, it was a rocky season for Spurs, and if you're able to get, you know, five assists in the domestic league, in the Premier League, um, that bodes well. And we've seen a lot of players, and we highlighted them already. Ashley Young, Chris Smalling, Alexis Sanchez. Um, there have been players moving over from the Premier League to Italy. And honestly, if you think about it, Matt, if he comes over here, there is a – there's not a lot of guys that are better than him in the right-back position. We talked about it last night on the area a sit-down podcast with Frank Ravello it's really a dearth of talent there and we know Hakimi is going to be the best one on the right side um, as far as wingbacks and right backs go but Serge Aurier would already catapult himself in in the conversation of top five right backs um, what kind of feed do you think he's going to be going for and how well do you think he could play in Serie A and for Mila?
1: first off quick little show note um my dog's in the background so I know my dog has some really big opinions on Serge Aurier that I maybe heard, yeah. get out another time <laughs> but um so I just want to give the, the listener that little heads up there if you guys hear that um but, but getting back to Serge Aurier yeah you know a player that seems like he's obviously on his way out doesn't seem like he's part of the plans at Tottenham Hotspur and, and under Jose Mourinho look Milan have been able to capitalize on this sort of Instance and situation in the past, right? I think Teo Hernandez being one of them. He's the, the most recent example of a player that you know has obvious potential, has obvious ability, but maybe he's just not in the right situation where that ability can shine consistently. And look, I think anyone who's watched football knows that Sergio Ria does have a lot, a lot to offer. And this could be Milan just swooping in having a classic case of them just making the most of the situation and being the biggest um, beneficiaries of what's been kind of transpiring this past season if you will at, at, at Tottenham which has been again been a, a big drop off from them from them being the Champions League finalist, right so overall I, I think what Serge Aurier would bring to Milan um, aside from fee I think the fee would be Great, I think that'd be a pretty f- uh, favorable fee um, for a 27 year old who has experienced, is definitely still has the legs, can help Milan play the style of football they want to play. can really fill out that that right back position, and you would assume that Calabria or Conte, one of them would be gone. And look, it, it would be, uh, in my opinion, a shrewd signing in the sense that you know Milan are shying away from spending 30, 40 million on players that are maybe unknown, maybe you don't have the the boatload of experience to really properly gauge what type of player they can be and what their upside is. As you mentioned with Emerson, I'm sure he's a a fantastic talent, but 30 million, when Milan really do need to fill out this squad and and really start to kind of take those next steps and those big strides forward as a team that can press on and get to a top four finish, I think Serge Aurier can really help that no pets really much down on him. And I definitely value his opinion because he does watch the premier league um, quite a bit as an Arsenal fan. And maybe he's a little bit biased because of obviously he's on Tottenham, but at the same time, I would be pleased with it. I think Serge Aurier would have a little bit of a, a fun relationship, perhaps if Crank Kessie could stay, but you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. My guess is this one definitely looks like it could happen. I think it could be one that happens pretty quickly. Uh, maybe not, you know, maybe by who knows by the time we record the next podcast, but um my general initial reaction to this is, look, it's good value. Not breaking the bank for You don't have an obvious need. He fills it. He's got experience. He's not on the decline in terms, in my opinion, at least. And I think he checks off a lot of the boxes. There are some question marks, no doubt. You have to look at his disciplinary record and some of the the issues he's had in the past. But look, players change. You know, people change, and a change of scenery could be good for him. And and we we hope that should this deal occur.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And and again, at the end of the day, if uh, the greatest defensive player of all time is interested in another fullback, I'm probably going to have to back him, especially seeing what he did with Simone Kier, Teo Hernandez. Um, Maldini's eye for talent has been second to none so far. It's really hard to argue. So I'm going to have to give him uh, the trust there. We'll keep it to the city of Milan. Matt Antonio Conte is back up to his old antics. Sounded off after Inter's last game. Um, He really is just a brash individual, whether or not he's correct about what he was saying. I'm not really going to get into that, but at the end of the day, Conte isn't making things any easier at the club he's working for. He had um, a a little spat with, um, you know, just the media all the time throughout the whole season. So at the end of the day, Antonio Conte does he stay does he leave Allegri's rumor to uh, to sign um, I mean I mean what the hell's going on with Inter this is Paz Inter again right like there's no doubt
1: it's a weird situation isn't it i think when when Conte signed everyone thought okay we're going to have our guy for 3 4 years we got the project we're going to build around him we got Lukaku we got all the players he wanted Inter fans were like, "What, back? We're, we're right in the you know, there's that little uh, that little meme or that video of of Real Ferdinand, right? Where Manchester United's back, like that sort of like feeling that Inter fans probably had, you know, looking at Inter, looking at the project they were assembling under Conte, and then look, here's what happens towards the tail end of the season, and really the final match day, Conte just sounds off on Inter management, upper and upper management and ownership, um, at, at his displeasure with how things are kind of handled, the current situation, and Look, I was talking to, you know, I responded to Marco Messina from Italian Football TV's tweet. He kind of had a little snippet of his sort of reaction to all this news on his podcast. And I don't think Inter were probably stunned because I think you know what type of manager, what type of personality um, Conte brings to the table. Um, obviously, he's a very, very good manager. He gets a lot out of players. But there's always some sort of, like, wild card, like, unhinged. Like, he can kind of go off the deep end at at any time and have the sort of soundbite that thinks, wow, like this guy's really just letting him let him hear it. And, and sure enough, with the quotes that he heard from Conte, he's not too pleased and Allegri is lurking. Allegri would make a ton of sense. And then that would be something right to him going from Milan to Juve to enter the coach. That would be ridiculous. But look, he's got the track record if we're speaking on Allegri and whether or not he would be a fit for them, or he would be the manager to keep this project moving forward. I mean, you couldn't make a case that Legri would be an upgrade. Maybe not in terms of style of play. Maybe not in terms of, um, I don't know, no, the, the the certainty or the kind of guarantee or the feeling that Inter fans would have. Okay, we have another coach in here. We got to make sure that these players can suit a Legri system. But at the same time, legri has got a good tracker. Two Champions League finals. He's coached Milan. He's coached Juve. Uh, He's won at those two clubs. He knows how to coach at a big club, and that's what it takes to for, for Inter to go where they want to go. So, Allegri would be would be something something to add there, and you know, getting back to Conte real quick, and then I'm sure we'll 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 move on. Is this a play by Conte to get the players he wants to kind of show
0: that he needs more? I know,
1: I know that, but, like but, but 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 Martino, this was a big concern and big issue that he had towards the end of his tenure at Juve. He wanted certain players. He was very demanding to the ownership and to to Marota who's with now at Inter, of, to, of getting certain players. And look, it could be a little bit of that. It could be a little bit of just frustration because he is such a competitor. He's such a fiery guy that maybe he's seeing, wow, like we finished one point behind the team I used to coach and the team that I won a lot with. I know what it takes to win. And maybe there's just sort of a frustration he has. Who knows? But I think by the time we go to our next our episode 52 next week, We'll be, I guess, learning a lot more about this situation because it seems as though, at the minimum, they're going to give him till the end of the Europa League to see how he can progress, see if things can kind of cool off and, and see if, you know, kind of Conte and ownership can get back on the same page. So we'll have to keep a close eye on that. But initially, right now, Inter fans must be shaking a little bit because they did get Akimi. They do look like they're all getting quite a few players. They did get Erickson in January. Tonali, they look like they're the front riders for. So they got to get this under wraps, right? They got to get this sorted out because I think they are heading in the right direction. As we talked about, uh, you know, on this area, I sit down podcast yesterday and it's, it's, it's hard to kind of understand what where Conte is getting at. He's even denied it in the media. He's saying, you know, I'm going to be here for three years. I committed to three years, but we all know that that's not always gospel, right? There's things that can change, you know. They could have a falling out, and as we saw with the whole Ragnick situation, right? Months and months of committing to a guy, you know, getting all the players, you know, you know maybe all the rumors, and and being able to back up the truck for him. Things can change overnight because that's how dire the situations are for some of these clubs to get into that position to be. Um, powerhouses again. And for Milan and Inter specifically, that's where they want to be. They want to be in that conversation with Juve, Juve at the standard. And when maybe Conte sees some things going wrong at the club that he's not happy with, he's going to, he's going to air it out. And that's what we saw. So we'll have to see, wait and see how this unfolds.
0: Yeah. um, There's going to be a lot that we have to wait and see what Antonio Conte, there has been a pattern there uh, with the way he leaves certain places, start at Chelsea Italian national team, even at Juve.
1: Maybe it's just an Italian thing. Like Italian is uh, kind of like loud and frustrating. Hey, and
0: listen, and... no one does what Antonio Conte does, man. Like <laughs> yeah. absolutely no one does. He is uh, a yeah. one-of-a-kind great manager, but um, uh, I love even greater uh, dramatizer. Um, but anyways, before we move on to the Champions League and some of the questions that you sent us, we have to remind you once again that we are sponsored by The Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring reporters, as you know, like David Ornstein, James Pierce, Sam Lee, and more. The Athletic is telling stories you can't find anywhere else. Matt, it's it's just a fact. Every time there seems to be a major story that's breaking here in American sports, Oh, over, even over in the UK with football, it seems that The Athletic has the, some of the best coverage, the best in my, in my opinion, and especially for my money, anywhere that you could find. It's just fantastic sports writing. There's no ads, no clickbait. And the best part is, Matt, that for over 50% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing around, all you have to do, guys, is use theathletic.co.uk slash state of play. It's only two fifty a month. Two dollars and fifty pounds a month. I mean, sorry. Two. It's not two dot two two fifty pounds, right? Two point fifty. I don't even know how to cause two dollars and fifty pounds. It's not, I don't know. We'll go with that. But anyways, Matt, what have you spent this week on that amount?
1: Um, you know, it's <laughs> it's funny too because I think it's in a, in a pinch right Where everyone's kind of looking to get content the best content most reliable content and just um easily accessible content and I think The does a fantastic job of delivering that with the mobile app, having the access to not only just football, but also the um, the U.S. main four sports, which will help them kind of get back into the swings and back into motion. You're definitely going to want to benefit from that too. I know there's a lot of people, um, you know, outside the footballing realm, if you will, who do enjoy and appreciate other sports. So if you sign up through our exclusive link, you obviously will get that 50% off the annual subscription for such a really low fee. And for me, you know, I play golf pretty much every weekend um, and the push card is probably hmm. another eight to 10, give or take. So that's pretty much what three to four, three to four months more or less. So it's a no brainer guys, make sure you guys sign up through us. We'll make sure you guys get that 50% off and we'll get it at a really low offer for you. And yeah, we just appreciate you guys supporting us and we appreciate the athletic for sponsoring both our podcast and our YouTube channel, which is really um, starting to make some really serious strides.
0: Yes, um, shout out to Nando Delfino of the fantasy athletic football season, right around the corner. American NFL football. If any of you UK guys are interested in it, trying to get into another sport in the time being, you know, maybe hop on there, check out some of the stuff that they have. But Matt, we're moving on. The biggest competition in the world for club football is back in the UEFA Champions League. We've got a couple knockout games that we have to take on before we move on to the single elimination games that will be taking place in Lisbon over the course of uh, August. There's a few matches that we need to get figured out. There's three on the weekend. One is pretty much under wraps. We know Chelsea is out against Bayern. Like, I mean, it would be one of the greatest comebacks in history. Chelsea are down three away goals. They have to head over to Bayern to go face um, Bayern Munich. I mean, it's not looking great for them, but We'll go with the more enticing matchup, right? Juve-Leon. Juve didn't get an away the goal. They lost to Leon, one nothing. This, is the, this club did not look great. This is not a club that looks primed to win a Champions League. And I know circumstances are different. We know Leon have not played in months. That could play into favor for Juve. Um, Paulo Dybala, still a little bit of a question mark. We don't know if he will play or not in that match. This one's in Torino. How do you what is your feeling on I think Juve pull out because it's Juve, but they gotta set the tone early. There can't be there can't be any doubts. You can't let Leone get any decent chances or, you know, create anything of the sorts because at the end of the day, Leon, you could argue they have a lot to play for. They the only way they're going back in the Champions League next year is if they win the Champions League, because we know League ended their season early and they were outside the top um positions. So Cristiano Ronaldo, you going against him in this? I'm not.
1: I'm not going against Ronaldo. I think well, a 1-0 deficit, I think that's something that Juventus, despite the condition of the club in terms of some injuries, in terms of um, their style of play just not being quite where it is, and just Maritio sorry, not probably having administered the style of football he wishes he would have in year one of the project, I think Juventus will find a way to, to scratch a claw and get and get by into the, uh, into the quarterfinals. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, sexy. It doesn't have to be uh, really aesthetically pleasing. I think Juve, they can, they can, it can be as ugly as possible. They want to win a champions league. And I really do bank on Ronaldo stepping up, having a really, really big impact on this match. And you know, even in, I know the, 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 the first leg of, of this tie didn't favor Juve much. They, they didn't look, ready for it they didn't look ready for what leon was throwing at them but i think now you may have been in that mode where unlike in previous years they've had to play games to the very end or to like the final two or three match days to secure the title so they've been playing meaningful games for every three four days whereas leon as you mentioned haven't played something meaningful in in months right i know they played some friendlies to kind of get prepared for this but you can't prepare for the tempo of a, of a top of a top club like Juve, and I know Matteo, even on our previous episode, you know, kind of dug a little bit deeper into what Juve should expect or what he expects from Juve moving forward in the Champions League and what their hopes could be to, to hoist that that coveted trophy. And defensively, I think is going to be the biggest focus. I think in the midfield, Rabiot has been pretty solid so far, uh, at least in the second half of the season. You know, Bentancur has stepped up make a strong case. He's been their best, most consistent, most reliable midfielder this year. And Matuidi has some experience. I think in numbers, you may have plenty to get, to get by Lyon. They have plenty to, to progress and make a deep run here, but you wonder if they, they, they can be stum stunned. They can be humbled because Lyon have fresh legs. So there's two ways to look at it. Do you want a team that has fresh legs who has all this time to sit on this sort of advantage? Right? Because if you're a team that's winning, you want to get that quick turnaround. You want to go after that next game. But on the other hand, we know that even though Juve are playing at home, where historically it's been a fortress for them, right? They've been very dominant at home defensively. They're tough to break down. They're not playing in front of fans. So maybe that does give Leon a little bit of hope to see this one out, maybe to um, you know, win sloppily, play against their conventional style of football and ultimately disappoint Juve fans once again. So we'll we'll, we'll definitely be watching for sure, and I'm sure we'll have a recap in the next episode.
0: Yeah, so uh, best of luck to Juve and Lyon for that matchup. We obviously have to get into the other one on Friday, and that is going to take place between Real Madrid and Manchester City. Manchester City had one of the biggest wins in club history, Matt. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, Winning 2-1 at Real Madrid. Real Madrid were playing so well that game. This is when sports got canceled that day. Um, this when uh, I can't. I can't believe. It. I, I just can't believe. It. I had a. I had a bet on it. I'll, I'll lie. I can't lie to you. That's why I'm upset about it. But at the end of the day, Manchester City were playing great. They scored a ton of goals in the reboot. We we saw Real Madrid play well. City, they're at home. They got a real nice advantage in terms of away goals. I think they're in the driver's seat for this. Real Madrid still have a few question marks, but obviously they were playing great. They have a little bit more rest than City has had. But City had played a little bit more recently. Did we see Real Madrid pulling off this upset? I mean, they were really playing fantastic. And, and City had shown signs of being a little inconsistent towards the end of that run um, of the season in the Premier League. I think Real Madrid is more than capable of pulling this off. This isn't, like, something that's out of the realm of possibility. But at the end of the day, the way Manchester City is is loaded with talent, they're healthy now compared to what they were then. I kind of like City to advance. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I'm not counting out Real Madrid at all. It's same thing as Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm
1: not counting out Real Madrid at all. But I will say this. I think City hold um, – really comfortable. I'm not going to say it's very comfortable. I'm not going to say it's something that can't be overturned because all it takes is a one really quick goal or two really quick goals within the first 15, 20 minutes. And it really good. It's going to make things interesting. And Real Madrid, you have to respect their, um, their winning culture, their winning history in this competition. And the fact that they've been playing so well, as you, as you mentioned, uh, Martino, that has to be, you know, you have to have some caution there if, if you're in Manchester City and, Look, for all the talent that Manchester City have, for the great coach they have at Pep Guardiola, this has been the one hurdle that they seem to struggle with in the Champions League, right? They, this has been the one they've been chasing after really the better, better part of a decade, right? Because I think when they had the new ownership, they spent a lot of money, you kind of had an idea what their ambitions were. All they need
0: is domestic dominance. It's, it's what right. they want, right?
1: They've had, they've had everything. And I think, you know, they've had a little bit of a difficult year too, right? You know, I think obviously they were different as champions. They had the whole... Um, UEFA issue with the financial fair play and, you know, obviously some things kind of have worked in their favor with the cast ruling. But overall, I think that, you know, they do hold the cards here. They do hold a, a nice advantage, um, but you definitely can't sleep on Real Madrid, Kareem Benzema, Sergio Ramos, serial winners, players who've been here, they're battle tested. That always has to come into play. But at the same time, this can be one of those um, scenarios, one of those platforms for a guy like Kevin Debrana to really, take a stronghold on this. And look, he was going to be probably one of the top five, top six players to finish for the Bound or in my opinion, the boundary was obviously not happening this year, but the, what a stage it would be for him to have um, a sensational performance after a sensational regular season, knock Real Madrid out and keep City's dreams of a champion's league trophy alive. So they got to like the position they're in, but I think you have to kind of somewhat eliminate or somewhat rule out the Um, previous performance, because I think, as you mentioned, it's months later, the clubs are playing differently. And again, circumstances change. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be, be talking about this one um, on the next episode. And I'm I'm very excited to watch some of these, especially during the weekend, right? It's, I know we're so used to that Tuesday, Wednesday format, but having champions league football on a Friday and a Saturday, that's going to be a real treat for, for football fans.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think that Friday has the much better matchups, but we can't deny all the controversy and all the headlines and storylines heading into Saturday. Napoli-Barcelona, this is the final game that we're going to be talking about. Matt, Barcelona did not look good. They lost out on the league. It's really just Leo Messi FC. I don't know how many times we really have to highlight that. It's just they look lost. They don't look great. We know on their best day they have the capability of beating anybody, and especially Leo Messi. They got the away goal. It's tied 1-1. They don't have that Camp Nou crowd uh, behind them in this matchup, something that would have been greatly beneficial, uh, especially considering Napoli. But again, Napoli is still a question mark whether or not Lorenzo and Signe could be playing in this match. That would be a big loss for them. But at the end of the day, Napoli as well. When they're on their best, they could beat anybody in this sport. And you know what? We've seen it highlighted. They give Liverpool a very tough time. We see them play Juve very well. They had, they could beat the likes of enter all these other top clubs around. Is this a marquee moment? They have a manager in Cotuso who knows what it takes to win this competition, knows what it takes to step up in these matches and motivate his players. They haven't been playing to the point where they were so good under Sadi, but They've been playing way better under Cutuso than they were with Ancelotti, and especially prior to the stoppage of the season. Do they have what it takes to pull this off? And does Barcelona rebound at all? Like, how do they? How do they? How does Barca figure out every all the issues that they had a couple of weeks ago to Saturday? For me, that's a big issue. So for 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 that, I think I'm I'm leaning with Napoli winning in this.
1: This is, a, this is probably the toughest one, right? Because I think both teams have had their ups and downs the entire year. Most of them for Barcelona have been downs. The biggest up, obviously, is the business, has been the season that Messi have has had. You know, the, the shining light in a very dark, grim period, dark, grim season. Um, watching Madrid win that league. Them, obviously, having um, you know, a very disappointing campaign, all things considered. But in a, in a one-game elimination format, which is what it's going to be from here on out, um, and that's, I think, what you have to, if you're Barcelona, have to treat it like, right? I think there's players of great quality in that squad. There's a great goalkeeper in Ter Stegen. There's uh, obviously PK. you Lionel Messi. You know, that's really what you have to look at. I don't think Napoli are a team that's you should entirely fear so much, not because of not, – not, not saying they don't have the players of quality to, to do this, but at the same time is that they've looked a little bit – Sluggish, a little disappointing towards the couple, last couple se- weeks of the season. And really since post-Copa Italia, when they beat Juve for the, for the Copa Italia, in my opinion, they haven't been quite the same. Now look, as you mentioned, Petuso has won this competition before as a player. It's a whole different ballgame. You know, facing a team like Barcelona, coming up against a player like Messi, trying to have an answer and solution for him. For me, I think it's going to be more Messi magic. I think he's going to have a, a really, really big game in this. Um, in this one and he's going to keep keep pulling keep carrying barcelona on their back i do think that they're going to find a way to get by napoli i just think napoli is not quite ready for this stage they're not quite ready to knock messi out um, but if i'm speaking long term on the chances of you know barcelona again assuming they do move on which i think they will barely it doesn't really look too promising because i think they're going to come up with again against a team that's in much better position stronger more um, determined, more just ready to, to to win this tournament. Whereas with Barcelona, as we've seen the entire year, it's been the Messi show. It's either Messi comes up and has a fantastic performance or the rest of the players uh, leave much to be desired. So this, this is going to be a really fascinating one. I think people are looking at Barcelona, people are looking at Messi in this period now. As you can make a case, this is probably one of the more difficult, more um, disappointing, more... I guess below par Barcelona teams that he's had to play with, right? I think he's he's obviously great players carry teams, right? When they have a bad game or a bad stretch, but I think collectively the entire season it just hasn't been Barcelona like, and it's going to take something special from Messi. And I'm as a Messi fan, looking forward to seeing what type of performance he can put on because I think all eyes are going to be on him. It's not like you know, yes, yes, Suarez, yes, yes, some of these other players, but it's the Messi show, and everyone knows that. Barcelona are only going to go as far as Messi can take them. And I think it's going to be past Napoli. But after that, it's going to be a bumpy road.
0: Yeah, you can only imagine the storylines and and tweets about Messi and Diego Maradona in this because he's facing, well, I mean, Maradona played for both of these clubs. But at the end of the day, you know that comparison is just going to pop up again. You just know it. Um, So best of luck to these squads as well. Um, Chelsea, sorry, kind of seemed like you're dead in the water. But Matt, we have a few questions that we have from our listeners that we wanted to get to. Um, you want to take it away?
1: Sure. So yeah, we have a, a slew of questions that came in. Um, and we really appreciate you guys making sure that uh we had some content to, to wrap up with here. Um let's let's read off what we had. So one of the first questions from Peter Graham at Pete CFC. He says Donny Van de Beek to get a move this summer, and how does he rank compared to other under 23 mids? Now, of course, Van de Beek was a really shining light, a bright star in Ajax in their dream run last year in the Champions League. A lot of people thought that maybe he was going to go to Real Madrid. It seemed like it was really close. Uh, my guess is is he does. You know, there are some rumors that maybe persist around his name but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he does stay on at Ajax for another season. The team like Ajax really doesn't spend a ton of money. So to find that sort of replacement for an influential player in the midfield like Van de Beek would be really difficult. And considering the fact that it is a quicker turnaround, um, I think Van de Beek will stay at the club at least until maybe January. But, um, you know, obviously things change, you know, as the summer progresses, well, I'm sure we'll learn more about some of these really more sought after players. And how does he rank compared to other under 23 mids? Um, I'm sure there are better people to ask about Van de Beek uh, who have followed the Dutch footballer more closely. From what I've seen, he's a really versatile midfielder. I don't think you can really necessarily, you know, stack him up as, you know, an, an elite, elite, elite midfielder. I think he's very strong. I think in a certain midfield setup, he can do a ton of different things for you to help you win, but it's really hard to say where he stacks up in my opinion, uh, amongst some of the under 23 mids out there, which there are quite a few. Anything Martino? Um,
0: Look, I was a fan of him. I was surprised he didn't go to Real Madrid, as you mentioned. Um who knows, maybe maybe Premier League in his future. I, I think he could really play anywhere that he wants to. Um and you always know that IX um are kinda they're not inclined to sell these guys, but at the end of the day, you know that it's kinda they are that,
1: they are that type Just of club who yeah have yeah they've kind of braced themselves they kind of think it, they're, victi- they're a victim they're for... victim of
0: their league man it's if if i yeah, x okay. were in a top five league, then they would be keeping a lot more of these guys, but now it's just it's unfortunate the scenario it's... and situation that they're yeah. in because they really are one of the greatest clubs in the history of the sport
1: and they're in a pre- and they're in a pretty tough situation right because I think they always kind of assume and brace themselves for a, a, a big star departing obviously the de Lick leaving last year, Frankie de jong. Um, you know serana's going to be another one as well Sergiuio d'est being another one um, you know so there 's a there 's a ton of interest around their players and, and rightfully so i mean they're you know they 're always kind of standing out um, and they lost Ziek, you know so yep. it 's going to be tough to see if they can if they can hold out to vanity and I think he 's a player that maybe would consider staying sure. uh, but then again you, you really never know so the next question we 're going to go to is from. Blazers for Goalposts football pod at Blazers FG pod. Shout out to them. I actually appeared on the podcast. A really unique concept and in and, and, uh, format that they, they provide. So make sure you guys go check them out. After securing his first trophy as Arsenal manager on the weekend, how far can Mikel Arteta take the Gunners? Um, it's going to be tough because I think the pack is thickening in the Premier League, right? There's a lot more teams oh, yeah. that are really strong. Manchester United is back. Um, In my opinion, Chelsea look like they're building a really good project. They're trying to get Kai Havertz done. They already have Ziyech and Timo Werner. Chilwell maybe another one. They do need some help in the back. You know, obviously, you know, what City and Liverpool provide, and even despite the drop-off from Leicester City and Tottenham, you still have to respect the fact that they are teams that have accomplished quite a bit in terms of their positioning over the years. It, do, do I think Mikel Arteta could take this team forward? Absolutely. I think he's the type of manager, you know, as an understudy under Pep Guardiola for a couple years did learn quite a bit and think you're starting to see some of those principles, some of those um, traits, characteristics, and those philosophies and an overall approach approaches to the game translate over to his arsenal in a very short time. I know he got his ups and downs through certain spells, but he's going to learn. He's a very young manager. He's going to uh, get some reinforcements. I'm just certain. And I know Pet is very, very hopeful of that too, but I think he could take them pretty far. I think the big, biggest step is, is, is getting to a top four finish. You know, I think it's, you have to understand, and I think this is the same thing with Milan is you have to set the bar realistically right you can 't be like well we want we want to be a, a, a league winner or we want to you know win this or win that and I understand that, but there 's a process right you know liverpool didn 't get to where they were um, overnight you know they had hey let 's get back to the top four hey let 's get the winning players that we need hey let 's get the coach and then let 's build the dynasty so I think that Arsenal just have to be patient with Mar arteta as long as you 're seeing progression and growth. Um, week to week, month to month, season to season, I think we'll back Arteta, and you know the fans should should back him as well.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's got to take patience uh, from the Arsenal fans. I know I know it's going to be a little while, but um, I think you got to give it a couple more years before we want to talk about top four. Um, I, I think they should aim for Europa League next season. Try finishing ahead of Spurs because I know they love that, especially uh, um, Pet. So I think that's something that's realistic. And, hey, make, make a solid run in the Europa League. Like, give, give them how, like, show that you can make those improvements there. And they have to invest. Like, there's no doubt. Like, in this in this yeah. league, you have to spend the money um, to compete. And if you're not, you got to have the best name scouting around in order to do so, like the lesser cities of the world. So we'll see what happens with them. But um, I believe we have two more questions before we head on.
1: Yes. Yeah, sure, we had a question. Another one from... Dieter Van Gooch, I'm sorry if I mispronounced <laughs> that. Um, he has pretty much a, a big loaded question here. It's it's about three or four within a question. Uh, biggest disappointment in European football. Biggest Spurs. breakout team. In, <laughs> biggest breakout team in European football. I'll leave this one to you then. Biggest
0: breakout sure. team in European football. Hmm. I guess I guess you have to go without the. At you have to okay. you have to go with Atalanta, right? Yeah. I mean, we knew as Serie A fans like as, as Champions League debutants making like and being
1: probably favored by many to beat PSG and yeah. you know scoring the goals the way they did in in, in in abundance. I think they're definitely the breakout team in European football. Who will win the Champions League, Europa League? That's a tough one because I think I think, Jordan, I think for me would be pretty good for Lewandowski's uh, status <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and but through the through the lenses of of football fans who maybe don't rate him as highly, but um, I think they're a favorite. I think Real Madrid and are knocked off. They have to be respected and favored. Who do you think?
0: Um. Okay. So Europa. It's funny because a lot it's of do
1: least- do Europa League.
0: I'll Europa do. I'll do Euro- Okay, so with Europa League is actually very interesting, and I've been looking at it often. I'm like, who really has a lot to play for within this competition? Mm-hmm. Right? Inter have Champions League locked up. Manchester United have Champions League locked up. Sevilla have Champions League locked up. Like, is Roma a dark horse in this? Like, I, I, I don't know. It really depends on mm-hmm. who wants to take this competition seriously. Because at the end of the day, we have a condensed schedule next season. We have to play Euros right after that. There are a lot of competitions that these clubs have to play, and especially these English sides. I think Wolves are a dark horse to do that, but it's—I I honestly don't know. I really it's don't. Like a crap shoot. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. It
1: feels like it's—it's—it's it's, it's one of those competitions where it's kind of anyone's game. You know, a one-off. because you know, we've seen how you know certain teams are favored. I mean, we've seen in the Champions League, but I think we see it more or less in Europa League. There's a lot more. Um, you know differing performances, differing, you know, trends to kind of go by, right? I think the Europa League seems like that's sort of like junior circuit competition and no disrespect to it, that it's kind of one of those things where Inter can look very strong in the league. And then the next day have a, or next match in the Europa League have a blunder and just drop the ball. Mm. And you really don't know what type of Inter team they're going to show up with now with all these Conte issues coming up and Roma <laughs> with all the reports of a possible takeover. So it's hard to really say, honestly, I can't really give it an actual team. I think there's a lot more that has to play out. And I think the first, I guess, slew of games or first slate of games that are, that are going to come out, I think will be really telling us how the the tournament is going to um, progress on. And the last one over this big, huge question here, um, mm-hmm. best transfer that happened already.
0: Hakimi to enter. You think so? I think, I think so. Look, Assuming,
1: assuming Conte stays, though, right? Yeah. Or is well, that, does it matter? Uh, even,
0: even then, he's absolutely the best right back in the league. Pace kills in Serie A. We've seen him do it at Dortmund and at the Champions League level. I, I, I truly do think that. I think Kulusevsky is another guy. And mm-hmm. honestly, okay. Jaden Sancho gets done, man. I have a hard if time. If it s- happens. If that's it not, happens. That's not,
1: that's not confirmed. For me, yeah. it would probably... Timo Werner. Hmm. I think or it's Timo Ziyech. Werner. You, know what?
0: you know what? Ziyech for me. Sorry, I changed okay. it up. Ziyech I, is just I, too to me, good with that fee. I think he's amazing. I think,
1: it's, I think it's Timo Werner when you just consider the fee, which is definitely below market value, I think, for a player of his caliber. He's creative. He can score goals in abundance. He's done in the Champions League um, at, at Leipzig, and he just feels a direct need for them up front. I think he's really going to expand um, the attacking gameplay. For, for for Frank Lampard, so I'm going to go Timo Werner. And the last question from Kevin Orozco at Kev o- Oro, O-R-O. He goes, why shouldn't Sancho, with emphasis on shouldn't, go to Man i I'll let you. I'll let you have that one.
0: See, that's a tough one because the timing's so fantastic. Um, maybe if he, if he if ju- he if he just wants to grow another year at Dortmund, you know, just you know get more polished but i think he's so polished and ready to step into the premier league and any team in the world and you know play it in any competition if we've seen it so if there were to be a reason why he shouldn't go it should strictly be for the fact that he needs to grow more personally although i don't think he has to
1: i mean if i had to answer this i think this would be you know me taking off the whole like Okay, well, is the player ready? Yes, of course, I think he's ready. You have two great seasons of what he's had. I think he's ready for that that, that next step, right? Or that big pressure that comes with pulling on the Manchester United shirt um, and rounding that attack, which is already stacked, as, as we mentioned, off the top. The one maybe reason why he shouldn't go to Man U right now is to maybe help with – with Borussia Dortmund situation. Now, I don't think they're a team that's really going to be in a position where they can spend and properly replace him. Now, this isn't to say that, you know, they don't have the minds and the scouting network and the people involved to get someone who can play in his position and do a job. I'm not saying that. But, you know, they they really try to make the Akini. They try to, you know, possibly you'll get a last minute bid in from Rikini and make that happen. And I think they were only able to go up to 20 million and you see a team like Inter kind of almost doubling what they were spending. So it says a lot about dormant situation and whether or not they're going to be able to spend. I know they got Jude Bellingham in, which is a nice addition. He's still very young. And they do really well with young players in 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 prominent roles. But I, I think that that would maybe be the one instance, but I think if you're Sancho, look, Nothing's nothing's guaranteed in football. Nothing's guaranteed in life. And I think this is a, a once-in-a-lifetime move for him. And I think it's one that probably irks Manchester, Manchester City fans, knowing that he left then, went to Borussia Dortmund, and is going to their rival, their their city rival. So uh, those would be the only ways. But any in any case, I think Sancho is deserving of this move. He's, he's played at such a high level where he does – Um, deserve this sort of, this big step, this big climb in his career. And yeah, I I think that's, that's, that's where I'm going to leave it at with on my end. Any closing thoughts on this?
0: No, I think he hit the nail on the head with everything. Um, It's been such a great episode. Once again, it's always a lot of fun um, when we get together to do these once a week, uh, Mondays. Um, But yeah, thank you so much uh, for everyone for listening, Matt, give a plug for yourself real quick. Sure. Follow me
1: on Twitter. Uh, Matt underscore Santangelo, of course, doing a lot of the content work at State of Play Pod. Um, You guys follow us there. Follow us on all socials, Instagram and Facebook as well. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple. And yeah, we once again, thank you to The Athletic for supporting our YouTube channel and the podcast. We do appreciate it. And of course, we wouldn't be in this position without our loyal listeners. So thank you guys.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. We've we've gotten so many plays, especially the last episode with Matteo Benetti. We got over 600. We're really climbing up back to where we were prior to COVID happening. We really do appreciate all that support. Go over to the YouTube channel as well to go see Harry Brooks and Pet discuss about ball-playing center backs as well. Like that video, subscribe there. We could use the help. Um, thank you again to The Athletic for sponsoring this podcast, guys. Please go sign up using the code that we mentioned earlier. You could follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Me and Pet are very close in this race to one K we're both about 10 to 15 followers off of 900. So I have to same. stay
1: neutral in this. I can't, I can't, I can't campaign for one or the other. That'd be, that's, pretty, fine. Uh, pretty that's messed fine. Up,
0: but You don't have to. And I didn't ask, I didn't ask you to. <laughs> either, so hey, Hey, you know what? Um, Pat had a large lead over me. Okay. I've closed a significant gap on
1: him. He's Let's like see. that, uh, that Usain Bolt meme, right? Right. Usain Bolt looking back at everybody. It's like one of those things where it's like, oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. I got this. well he yeah.
0: he he isn't Usain Bolt. He's one of those guys that um, celebrates on their bikes, and then Show they yeah. knock over and they fall, and then the guys behind them win. That's going to be me, and that's going to be Pet. Pet is uh, <laughs> Pet's too busy celebrating Arsenal's FA Cup. But you you can follow him. His name is Pepperishio. You can just find him on Twitter. I'm not going to tell you what his ad is because that would be unfair for me in this race. But thank you guys so much for listening and listen to some Joaquin. <laughs>